Good morning. Last night, beautiful sight last night. There were about 170 people in this room, and there's probably about 100 kids and 70 dads, grandparents, uncles, special friends. And uh, it's just, it's, it is magical to see the girls. And their eyes just, it is the night of their lives. And particularly favorite moment is when the dads are putting the tiara on their, their daughter and they're just blessing them with their words. It's really, really good stuff. So uh, I'm so thankful we continue to do that and it continues to get a little bit bigger. And um, that's always a good thing, really is a good thing. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad those of you that are tuning in are tuned in. And we are finishing up our study which we're counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. We will resume back. Hey, Duke. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey, I was worried. Minnesota didn't win, so. I know, I know. Thank you very much. Duke's always thinking of me. Now just sit down and shut up, Duke. Okay, all right, so. <laughs> um, where was I? Yes, counting the cost. We were counting the cost. And we're finishing up today, and then we will go back into the book of Romans next week. We'll start with chapter 7. We've been kind of going through the book of Romans, took a little break. So just giving you a little peek into what's coming up next week. But let me pray. And I'm going to just pause quietly, just let you and God do whatever you've got to do. And then I'll pray for us. Father, thank you for being here ahead of us. Thank you for never, never sleeping, never getting tired, never not knowing what's going on in our lives. And God, I thank you that you are always patient and graceful and merciful and mighty in our lives, Lord. And I pray in particular for those who are here and those who are tuned in who've not come to understand that yet. They are just trying to figure whether you exist and if you do, what do you like? And I pray today would serve the purpose of helping them to take more steps into the direction of the love that you have for them that is unmatched. It is out of this world. And God, I pray you would speak through me. I have nothing to say, but you have everything to say to us, to a, a, a subject that's challenging. God, may today make it a little bit easier so we can be more like your son, Jesus. And I pray this in his name. Amen. Well, um, I am not, I think if you've been here for very long, you'll know I am not a fixer-up kind of guy. I'm not, a, I'm not really good at that. Nancy has more tools than I do, and that is, uh, that's just the reality of it is I've, I've embraced that. So when something breaks at the house, I look her like, uh, are you going to fix that? And I do help sometimes. I'm like a nurse. I hand the instruments over, and that was just something I never really got into. And so when I would buy something like the, the, a technological device of some kind, I would salivate when I saw the quick, easy instructions I give you. Because you've got the, you know, the manual, the, the instruction guide, it's really thick. But then they, they started doing this kind of like, and it's, really, it's got colors. You know, it's like looking at a book of pictures. And, and, and it's able, you're able to set it up really quick, and I loved that. Because then you can get going really, really quickly. And if you want to, you can consult the owner's manual or the instructions if you want to do a deeper dive. But I, I just wanted to get started now. Well, I want you to think of this morning is kind of that quick instruction guide that I want to share with you this morning so that I can get you up and going quickly 
telling other people about Jesus. Uh, we've got a training coming up today and next Sunday. They'll do a deeper dive that I encourage you and I'll encourage you again to, to get into that. But for this morning, we're really looking at just a quick how to get started telling people about Jesus. And those of you that are here, those of you that are tuned in that, that are not, you're not followers yet. You're, you're still trying to figure it out or, or maybe you don't even know if God exists. And, and it's possible that part of that blockage in your life is because someone tried to tell you about Jesus but in a way that was... Uh, offensive or in a way that was didn't respect you or, or it was almost like they were forcing you to do something and that is the that couldn't be f more further away from the truth than how we are to go about talking to people about Jesus and so I hope today you'll give just maybe a chance to give a second hearing to think about well wow if maybe if someone came at me like I'm hopefully going to describe to you well you might just think about okay I'm willing to try again to listen and engage in a conversation so that's kind of where we're headed. And I want to start this morning. Listen to, this is Romans chapter 10. Uh, this verse, I hope, sets the pace for us. Uh, I hope it, it, it gives you a picture uh, of, of what we can um, be, uh, what, how we can be used. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, but how can they, they being those who have not come to accept who Christ is, but how can they call on him, him being Jesus, they've not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And that, the word preacher there, it's not a vocation. It means one who proclaims. It's what we've been talking about last week and this week. And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. That's you, that's me. How beautiful it is when we can announce, says the gospel, it means that, that when we tell people about Jesus, and we talked about what the gospel was last week, and that was very important that we understand what it is. Uh, it'll be repeated again in the training that's coming up. But it's, it's really important that we understand and, and can see the picture that when you start talking to people about Jesus, and I start talking to people about Jesus, there's something beautiful about that. I, I still stand by this, and that is if your relationship with Christ is anemic in any way, if it's flatlined, if it's boring, my friends, if you begin talking to people about their eternal destination and their future and who Jesus is in their lives, there is nothing more energizing than that. It will, in, it will excite you. It will infuse in you the excitement that was once there, that you remember was there but just kind of got crowded out or distracted with other things. And so we're continuing with part two uh, this morning. Last week, if you remember part one, we said the overarching story of all the books in the Bible, which is how many? 66. Okay. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The overarching story of the Bible is that God sins... S-E-N-D-S. Someone said to me last week, it sounds like you said God sins, S-I-N-S. -S. I need to enunciate better. God sins and God saves. And we looked at, we have been sent out, the church, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you signed up for it when you were in that moment of desperation or struggle and Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And man, you're like, man, you grabbed onto that. And then to to your perception maybe was this fine print, the small print that said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't, didn't understand that part of it. 
But you know, it really wasn't fine print. It really wasn't small print. Jesus pushed it out there in Matthew chapter 28 when he says, go therefore into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we've always been sent and you have been sent. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been sent. And I asked you last week, did, did, it, did the thought cross your mind ever that I'm on a mission because I've been sent? Well, and that's exactly what we have been sent to make disciples, which means to tell them about Jesus so that they can choose either to follow him or not follow him. And then again, what was really important last week, remember I said, this is a matter, this is an issue that we can really feel guilty about. That we can cower because we're afraid. And I said, we've got to have guardrails when we're talking about this subject. We have to have guardrails that protect us so that we can move down the road without careening off the side of the road and crashing and burning. And one of those guardrails was Romans 8.1. Because what happens is we start feeling guilty and, and we kind of shrink back and we go flying off the road and we crash and burn and we stop because out of guilt and shame we haven't talked to anybody so we feel bad. But Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So when you start feeling guilty, boom, we bump into that bumper and we get back on the road, okay? But the other guardrail was Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 and 5 where, where God says, I discipline those that I love. So to the person who doesn't really feel guilty about it because they're just not engaged in it and they think it's really not that important that that's for other people who have the gift of evangelism or for Kevin, that's your job, that's why we're paying you or whatever the case might be. There's the other guardrail that says, wait a minute, no, this is for all Christ followers. And if you don't engage in this in some way, then God's going to discipline you out of love. So those are the guardrails that we're trying to keep us on the road to telling other people about Jesus. And if you look in the New Testament, there are many ways that was done. You had Jesus, you had Peter who were preaching to, to, to crowds, if you will. And they, they were sharing the gospel in a, in a large venue. Uh, you had Jesus who sent out the 70 or the 72 in, in pairs. He sent them out and they went into towns and they would go and they would knock on the door and if a person of peace let them in they would go in there and they would they would tell people about Jesus and they would get that going around the town and so those were almost like cold calls I I actually a couple summers ago I was just I thought I'm gonna give that a shot and so I went to neighborhoods and I just knocked on doors and I just wanted to talk to them about Jesus and believe me I was scared to death the first door I walked up to, I, I really walked up there. I was about to knock on the door. I went, I, I can't do this. And I walked away and I just, I oh, know I got to go up there. I got to do this. And uh, I learned a few things. One is a lot of people have on their doors, no solicitors. So I kind of leave the, left those doors alone. Uh, there were some other moments when I knocked on the door, you hear people walk up to the door, boom, 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 boom. They look through the, through the little, boom, boom, boom. They walk back to what they're doing. So I'm standing there and I got to turn around and do the walk of shame. Um, I had a few conversations, but what really kind of, stopped me dead in my tracks was I know exactly how I feel when someone knocks on my front door that I'm not expecting. I'm like, oh, that's how I felt. So it's not for everyone, but it was, it was, I was given the Luke 10 uh, approach, a, a chance. The one I really enjoy the most are the ones that Jesus had one-on-one -on -one with people, the woman at the well. When he just had a moment to talk with them and to, and to plumb the depths of where their struggle was and to know exactly how to, as an on-ramp, how to speak into that. And so whatever form you're telling people about Jesus takes, 
I, I hope this morning we're going to look at it and really um, get a quick uh, understanding of how to do it so you can go out and you can do it. Now, I realize some of you in here maybe, and some of you that are watching, certainly there's people outside of the church that they believe that telling, going out and telling people about Jesus is offensive. That you're pushing your beliefs onto people and that's just not the right thing to do. It's not polite. It's not kind. Well, I, I get that in a sense. But if my belief in the word of God and if your belief in the word of God, what the Bible says about those who do not accept the gospel will be eternally in hell, then how little do you have to love somebody not to tell them that? It'd be as if you were in a building that was burning. You're, you're, you're 40 or 50 flights up and you're trapped with other people, but you come to know the way out. Wouldn't you go and say, I know the way out, follow me. Now they, they can choose to follow you or not, but, but would you just run down that way out without saying anything to anybody? Of course you wouldn't. That's what we're looking at here. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe what God's word teaches, then we have to feel the weight. If, if we don't talk about it, then, then how little do we love people when we stop and cower for whatever reason, okay? So, this morning, what I want to do, we're going to start with, how do I get ready? Let me get ready. What's, what's the prep work that I need to do before I start, okay? So, in getting ready, first thing that I want us to talk about is, you have got to tell yourself three things. It is crucial that you tell yourself these three things, and you tell yourself regularly these three things, okay? This is how we get started. The first thing that you tell yourself is, I can't do this, and I'm not misspeaking, you have got to convince yourself, and I realize for some of you, maybe most of you in here, that's not hard, Kevin. I got that one. I can't do this. You mean I start there? Yes, you start there. And to understand why I ask you to start there, I'm gonna ask you to open up your Bibles to your table of contents. You got your Old Testament, you got your New Testament. I want you to look in the New Testament, and I want you to find the fifth book down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. And I want you to turn to Acts, whatever page that corresponds to in your Bible. And I want you, you'll be at chapter 1, which is exactly where I want you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's about to leave them. He's been with them, and he's about to leave them to go be with God the Father. And he is, this is the mission. He's already given them the mission. He's, he's sent them out, and he's told them to teach to every disciple thereafter what he has taught them. One of which is, to go and, and to proclaim. And he gives them this encouragement in verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Included in the ends of the earth, my friends of Puyallup, Graham, Spanaway, Spanaway, and the surrounding area. He's saying... You're going to be my witnesses. As you proclaim who I am, as you proclaim what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as you proclaim, you are going to receive the power, which presumes you need the power. Because why? Because you can't do it, and I can't do it. But the Spirit of God inside of us can. Let's look at the arguably the greatest New Testament Christian Bar none, Paul himself. So you're in the book of Acts, 
or yes, you're in the book of Acts. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, which means go to the right. You're going to pass through Romans and then you're going to be in 1 Corinthians. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number one, verse 17. So you're in Acts, flip the pages going towards the right part of your Bible. One book over, you'll skip through Romans. You'll hit 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 17. Listen to what Paul says. Arguably the greatest proclaimer and teller of Jesus that the world has ever known outside of Christ himself. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to evangelize, not with clever words, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. Turn a few, or maybe just one page over, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Listen to Paul speaking. He says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And then I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Last thing. But he said to me, this is Paul, Meaning Christ has said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. You see, Satan wants you to be overwhelmed with what we're talking about. He wants you to believe, I, I can't do this. I don't think well on my feet. I, I can't do this because I don't know many of the questions that I'll be asked. I don't know the answers to them. I, I can't do this because I'm an introvert and that's how God made me. And you're exactly right. You can't do this. But the Spirit of God and his empowering presence in your life can and will. It is a promise. So that as you step out and you're thinking, I'm not ready for this. I can't do this. That's the best place you can be. Is you're yielded and submitted entirely to the Spirit of God that he has given us to equip us so that we can do this. So that's the first thing you got to tell yourself. I can't do this. Good start. What's the second question we tell ourselves? The second question, uh, or the second thing we have to tell ourselves is, I'm not a hypocrite. You see, there's this idea that who am I to go out and tell people about Jesus? It's as if we think we have to be perfect, that we have to have our lives entirely all together before we can ever really rise to where we can tell other people about Jesus. Because we confuse the gospel, the telling uh, people about Jesus, we confuse that thinking that we're telling them how to live. We don't do that. Well, that's not what we're doing. We don't come in and tell people how they should treat their wives or how they should be ethically at work or, or how they should think and what they should think. But we don't do that. We tell them where we found life in Christ. And we found life in Christ because this is who Jesus is. You see, what Satan does is Satan wants you to feel like you're going to be a hypocrite because he wants to silence you. He wants to silence me. But a hypocrite is not somebody who goes out and tells other people about Jesus and follows Jesus 100% of the time. That's impossible. It'll never happen. Now, that being said, it is important that we are mindful about how we live our lives. We need to kind of recognize what that looks like. Because people will be listening to the message through the filter, which is your mouth and my mouth, your life and my life. And, and, and in some ways, they will attach the message to who you are and who I am. That's just, it's unavoidable. Which means you have to be really careful how you live your life publicly. Let me start and maybe finish with the one place I see the most danger that's done really for your witness and my witness. 
and that is social media. There's just some kind of courage, keyboard courage, where you're sitting there and you're not saying this to somebody's face. And, you're just rattling off. You probably, you probably thought for like a, a, an hour or two before, and, what am I really going to say? How am I really going to say? And you just let it go. And, and people see that. And, and it comes across in a harsh way. I mean, I, I've had numerous conversations with people who have lost friendships because of the way they communicated on social media. Let me mention one other area and I'll shut up. One thing that was really painful for me personally, and, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, I'm just saying how I personally processed during COVID was that I saw in a lot of people that their politics were more important than their savior. And that was really hard. I mean, like to the point of tears hard, was that I was, I was seeing people thinking that if this president is elected, if this Congress is made up the way that it's made up in this Senate, th th then everything will be fine and the world will be better. And it's almost as if, and, and they would pose that way. So when you're talking to people about Jesus, might they be thinking that is he really your savior or is your political party your savior? Is politics really your savior? And it's just, it was hard to see that. So we've got to be really careful and mindful of how we live our lives. But do not let the lie and the deception that Satan says, you can't talk about Jesus. You're being hypocritical. As a matter of fact, I lead. When I'm talking about Jesus a lot of times, I lead with my struggles. I lead with my brokenness. So I show them and I let them know I'm no different than you. I don't know who coined this expression, but they, they, they said that the gospel is, or evangelism really is one beggar sharing with another beggar where they found food. That's really what it amounts to. So, second thing you got to tell yourself, I'm not a hypocrite. The third and final thing you have to tell yourself is that success is faithfulness. You see, there's this idea that, well, I really haven't been successful talking to other people about Jesus because they've not really responded positively. That is not up to you. The thing we have to be mindful of is that when we're talking to people about Jesus, it is not on us. You, you heard Paul, right? Paul says, I'm not eloquent. I'm kind of feeble and weak at times when I'm speaking. And he recognized it, but he saw the power in that because he says the power of Christ is perfected. It's manifest both in your life as you're speaking and the lives of those who are listening through your weaknesses. You see, you don't want to win somebody because you're we're superior in your intellect and, and ability to think critically than they are. Because no one's ever going to be argued into heaven. It's a heart matter. And when someone is talking with you and you're just being real and being honest and open, then the power of God works through that. Because the power of God, God is seeking the glory, not, not you, not me. So, those are the three things you got to tell yourself. Before you start, you got to tell yourself, I can't do this. I, I, I just, I can't do this. I'm not a hypocrite. And success is measured by my faithfulness to telling other people I have no control over the responses. So that's what you got to tell yourself. Second aspect of getting ready is you have to earnestly pray. You've got to pray, God, please show me the people that you're bringing into my life. Please give me the eyes to see them. Now, this is where when I was preparing for this, this is where God just stop, stop me cold in my tracks. And he, he got me thinking, and I'm going to share this fun with you, okay? It's what people who love people do, right? 
What's most important to you in your life will be reflected in the content of your prayers. And he said to me, Kevin, I, I understand and, and I, I, I sense and I see in you, you know, this heart and, and you're, you're teaching this and you're, you're resonating with it. But Kevin, what's been the content of your prayers? Have you prayed earnestly for this? And I hadn't. And I mean, believe me, I was on my knees and I was praying, just thinking through this. It was almost like the spirit of God just whoop, stopped and just really asked me that question. Have you earnestly prayed that you would see and, and would, would seek after lost people? Do I want to? Yes. Was it in my prayers? No, it wasn't. You see, we got to earnestly pray for this to matter because this gets our hearts right. We can't fake this. You, you really can't fake this when you're talking to somebody. You, if you're talking to somebody and you really don't want to be there and you really don't care about them and where they are, that is not going to go well. But when we earnestly pray, God does something in that. Third thing we do to get ready before we shove off is we have to show people that we care. We got to show them that we honestly, we genuinely care about them. And this is where those things like the, the random acts of kindness come in. This is when we do things for other people and we just do them to do them. And sometimes we do them without being known, without them knowing that we did it because that's developing in us this servant muscle. Now there are times when we, when we want to meet someone and we want to befriend them and get to know them. And, and so of course we go and we start doing things for them. We want to know, I care about you. I'd like to get to know you. Here's the other thing, and I was reading, for this message series, I read five books on, on, on this stuff, and I just, I just needed the, the, the infusion in my life of just something uh, new, and, and just hearing from different people, and the stories that were super exciting. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful, in, in all honesty, to be refreshed in, in that way. But one of the things they said was, and I, and I find this actually true as, as I thought back in, in my own life, and that is go ask them for help. It seems counterintuitive. It's like, wait, well, I'm going to come help you. But when you go ask them for help, there's a level, there's like a vulnerability that they see in you. Like you're human. And them helping you helps them feel a little bit of a connection to you. And that's what you're trying to do. This is about being a friend. This is about a relationship. This isn't about a project. Please don't hear anything that I'm saying today is that, the, that people are our projects. They're not. They're blessings from God and friendships from God. No matter where they go. You might befriend someone and, and talk with them and, and, and they don't come alongside to what you're thinking and believing and, and, and embracing Christ. They're still your friend. And you don't know if that's going to happen somewhere down the road, but they're still your friend. And we have to remember that. And I say that for me more than anybody else. Because at my heart is evangelism. If I, if I could, um, if, if I ever left this job, it would go to be an evangelist. I would love to do that. The problem with that, though, is I'm an impatient evangelist, and that's not good. I, I mean, people got to know now. They, they got to accept now. And, and what can happen sometimes for me, and I, I've seen this, is I, I can befriend someone and, and, and I enjoy them and I have a, but if I realize they're just not going to get it, I'm, I can move on to the next person. And I had somebody tell me one time, seemed like you kind of dropped me. And I, I mean, oh, I felt terrible about that. So I'm sharing my pain file with you to hopefully encourage you not to go the road that I went. But this is, we've got to show people we care. 
ask them how you can pray for them. And that, and that just drops a little seed. But there's things we can do to show them, I really care. I really care. And when you pray for them, circle back around and go, hey, how did that go? I've been praying for you. How did that go? Just little things like that. So that's what we got to do to get ready. Now, what does it mean to really go out there and tell people? What, what do we do next? The next thing we do, and this is going to be, I realize the introverts right now are going to go underneath their chairs. Okay, so stay here. Stay with me. The next thing you do is you start a conversation. You start a conversation. Now be smart, right? If you're trying to talk, you know, mom to mom and, and like the kids are screaming and, and, and it, you know, it's chaos and, and you, you want to, let's talk about Jesus. I mean, just that's not going to work, right? You got to find the time that you have. What can I say in the time that I have? Maybe the time you have is, hey, I'll call you later. Maybe that's all you got. But just be sensitive to that but the point is we've got to start a question and or start a, a conversation and the best way to start a conversation is to ask questions ask good questions and the first question you really want to ask is you want to ask them about their interests what do they like to do because you're looking for a place to connect you're looking for common ground where you can find something they like to do and then you can begin to talk about that and, and there's a connection there so that's the first thing is you're just asking questions and finding out what do they like to do and keep in mind this conversation but I'm talking about, and this, this starting a conversation, it's about a friendship. And this can take time. This can take maybe a long period of time. Longer than you're thinking or would like. But man, you're in it. So whatever time it takes. Now, that's not to say there aren't moments where you get a really strong sense of the Spirit of God. It says, talk to them all about it right now. They need to hear about it right now. I was talking with a friend in our church who shared this story with me. I mean, I've had that since when I've been sitting on an airplane. I'm like, I got to talk to him right now. I, you know, I'm not going to see them again. And, and, and I jumped into it. Crashed and burned sometimes. Sometimes uh, it, it went well. But I was talking to a friend recently who shared this story with me. He was at a trade conference for his work and he was rooming with another individual and their wives happened to, to be with him. And uh, he was in the elevator and he was in the elevator with a cleaning lady that was cleaning the rooms. And he said he, he felt this really strong sense that God was saying, talk to her about Jesus. Tell her, tell her the gospel. And he didn't. And he found out the next day that she was killed crossing a crosswalk as a pedestrian. And he was crushed. Only to find out that when the cleaning lady got up to his room, that the wife of his roommate shared the gospel with her in the room and she prayed right there to receive Christ. So you can imagine, but what, what he said that, what that told him was he was saying, when you feel those promptings, God was telling him, when you feel those promptings, go for it, go for it. Okay, so sometimes that's the case. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about relationships. We're talking about developing a relationship and asking questions. It takes time. And the first thing you ask is, hey, man, what do you like to do? Find out, find that common ground. The second thing is once you've kind of gotten a, a sense of that, the second thing is you kind of ask worldview questions. What, what are the, what's their position or belief on given topics in our lives? And just get a sense, because then you can kind of understand. You understand what they like to do, but when you ask them questions about their worldview, now you start to understand a little bit how they think and what they might believe. And in the course of those conversations, and this is where I want to spend a little time on, and, and this is the hardest part. You've asked their interests, you've asked their worldview, their position on certain topics, and you, you're kind of getting a sense as to who they are. And maybe they've even said a couple things. You kind of go, ooh, 
I think I can steer that conversation towards the direction of God. Now the question is, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, I, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. But the Spirit of God can. And so I'm going to give you some suggestions, just some that I've thought about as I have had conversations and others that I've read about that were really helpful. But let's just say in this worldview conversation you're having, you find out that somebody has a real strong sense of justice. And you're like, man, that's awesome. You, you could say something to them like, do you know where that came from? Where does that strong sense of justice come from? And you could explain to them that you've been created in the image of God. God has given you his strong sense of justice for you to carry that. So you're, all you're trying to do is you're just trying to connect them, how they feel, what they experience. You're just trying to connect them to God in hopes that they'll hold on to that thought long enough that you can continue the conversation and just work them in the direction of considering, hey, yeah, where did that come from? And, and I feel so strongly about it. And so does God feel that he feels exactly the same way. Maybe you find out that homelessness is a big deal about it. They have the strong sense of homeless. You can, in, in your mind, you're thinking, hey, John chapter 14, remember Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus goes, and he, he understands homelessness, and he, he's going to prepare a, a home for all who would put their faith and trust in him. Maybe it's betrayal. Maybe you talk to someone, and they were betrayed in a divorce, in an affair. A, 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 you know, they got let go from a job, and they feel these really strong sense of betrayal. You could say to them, you know, Jesus was betrayed three times by Peter. And he told Peter, who was his close confidant, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I'm not. And then he does deny him three times in the pain of each one of those betrayals. So you're connecting this person's pain of the betrayal they've experienced to Jesus' betrayal. So, so there's a connection there. And then you can tell them, and Jesus restored Peter. Showing that there's hope to get past the feelings of betrayal and the painfulness of betrayal. How about for shamefulness? When you, when you, you have this bad past and you just, you know, there, there's, they feel guilt and shame. You can tell them about the prodigal. That God, or that Jesus shared a story about the, the prodigal son who left with his inheritance and, and blew it. And you can imagine how his dad was, was embarrassed by that. But every day the dad would walk out to the edge of town. And he would look for his son to come back. And again, you're just connecting. Might God be doing that in you? Might our conversation right now that we're having, might that be God's coming out to the edge of town? And he's just saying, come home. Come home. You see, you're just trying to make a connection so they can see and understand. How about hypocrisy? Let's, I'm trying to pick things that are probably very much in the conversation. Christians are hypocritical. And, and you can tell they really get angry at that. You know what you can say to them? You can go, you know what? Jesus hates hypocrisy too. As a matter of fact, Jesus went into the temple where hypocrisy was running rampant and he chased them out. You're, you, you're understanding hypocrisy. Jesus understands that. Again, you're just trying to make connections. And this is them coming out of their worldview. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make connections with things that they've said. Now, let me take it one more step and then we'll, we'll keep going. One more, how do I get it a little bit closer to where I can actually share the gospel? How I can, the good news of Christ, what do I do? Well, here are some questions that you can ask and you can actually fit your testimony into these questions. As they're answering, you can say, yeah, me too. And then you can kind of interject your testimony a little bit. But these are questions and I, I wrote these down. The first one you might want to ask them is, what are you hoping for in this life? Just ask them, what are you hoping for? And then you can kind of interject in your testimony. You can say, you know what? There was a day when I was hoping for 
a high-paying job. Or there was a day I was hoping for a baby. And whether that happened or didn't happen, you could just didn't say, and then I realized that that was really kind of oversold in my life and it underdelivered. And that I really, what I was hoping for and what I thought I would find in that, I've actually found in my relationship with Jesus. Again, you're just, you're interjecting that. So asking them, what are you hoping for in this life? The second thing is, and I ask this question a lot, especially when I don't have a lot of time. The last time I, when I was in with my doctor, a new guy, I just ask him, I go, are you a spiritual person? It's kind of fun. What's the answer? How do they answer that question? You, you could kind of just get an idea as to where they are there. Uh, another question you could ask them is, do you ever think about what happens to you after you die? I mean, people, have, they go to funerals. They, they see news uh, heading or, um, you know, the news or whatever. And, the, and, and death is something that they have to periodically think about. So you ask them, have you ever thought about what happens to you after you die? Uh, this is the last one. There's many that, but if you could change one thing to make life better, what would it be? Just listen to what they're saying. And again, you can kind of interject, but, but you're, you're, you're getting them, you're softening up. There's, there's some spiritual overtones to what you're talking about. And now comes where you actually share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. And there's two things I want to say about that. The first is, is that we do that with a gentleness and a humility. Listen to what Peter, who denied Jesus three times. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. says, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks for, you, for a reason for the hope that is in you. However, do this with gentleness and respect. How do we do it? We, we share this in a gentle way, in a humble way. Not like we're right. Not like we know better and you don't. Not like we're a better person than you. We're one beggar telling another beggar, hey, dude, I found some food. Let me tell you where I, where, where I found it. So with gentleness and respect. And then secondly, it's just important that we use helpful words and analogies that paint a picture. Because you're sharing the gospel, you're not teaching a theology class. And if you use words that try to paint a picture that help them to kind of grab on and get some traction, it'll serve you better. Remember Jesus at the well. Remember the, 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 the woman who was caught in adultery comes to him at the well. She's coming to get water. She's thirsty physically. And, and he says, you, you can draw water and you can, you can satisfy your, your physical thirst. He goes, but I have living water. She says, tell me about this water. She's making a connection there. Right? For me, what I do when I talk about the gospel, I tend to use the um, analogy of, of a disease. I, I say that we're born with a disease, a, a God complex. We, we want to be God. And that we need a cure. And Jesus is our cure. So just, just using, but, but think of something that, that an analogy or, or words that will really paint a picture. You can talk about people being spiritually bankrupt. Um, whatever that might be, like born again. I mean, that's I use that sometimes in here, but, but you could describe it as a brand new person. Uh, you could talk about the salvation. Salvation is about, it's about forgiveness. It's about uh, um, uh, being right with, with, with God uh, legally speaking. It's about being cured or healed or, or the fact that you have an amazing future in front of you. But just describe it in a way that paints a picture so they can remember when they leave pictures and analogies that help them to get traction. So, there you go. There are the quick setup instructions. 
for what we have been commanded to do and we've been sent out to do. And I'm going to finish by just reading back what I started with Romans chapter 10. But how can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. And that's you and that's me. So my challenge for you this week. One is to attend the Break the Silence training that's going to happen this today and next Sunday. To dive in deeper to what we're talking about. Secondly is, would you please make a plan? Start right now and make a plan. Identify, first thing is, identify those regular places that you go in your normal week where you're going to be around unchurched people. Write them down. What are these places? Because Paul says he became all things to all people, meaning he went to places that he wouldn't otherwise have gone so he could encounter unchurched people. He did the things that they did without sinning. He did the things they did so he could come alongside them, so he could, could, could relate to them. They could relate to him. But so you're identifying these places. And then secondly is you identify the people at these places. Like I'm thinking at LA Fitness. When I go to LA Fitness, I go there four or five times a week. There are, there's a couple people that I've started to meet and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, those are the people that I want to get to know, that I want to become friends with in hopes that something more can happen. Thirdly is then to pray for opportunities to start a conversation with them. Just that's when you're praying, God, please help me to, with the ears to hear ways that I can begin a conversation. And then invite them to do something fun together at some point, but with other Christians. You see, uh, and this is one of the books I read, really said that community is powerful, that they said more than anything else, our beliefs are shaped by our community, our family, uh, whatever our community is. And when you invite somebody who does not know Christ into something where they're having fun and they're meeting other people and you're having conversations, that that will shape their beliefs. And as other people are talking about Jesus, so this isn't all on you. So think about it. Jesus sent in Luke chapter 10, he sent them out in twos. So they didn't feel like this was all on themselves. So just think about that, that step that you can take. Maybe as a small group, maybe you invite them over for dinner. What other, the Super Bowl's coming up here. And the Eagles probably are going to be in it, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so th- there's, that, there's that possibility. We have connection Sunday today. So you can connect and maybe it's, it's in your small group, okay? And then lastly, you, you, you pray the scariest prayer you got. And that is walking out your house today. God, open my eyes to the people that I need to share Jesus with. I've, I've, I'm ready, I've done, the, I've done the preparatory work, I've had the conversations, we've gotten to a point, and today, I know today's the day. Give me the, the, free, the courage and the freedom to do that, okay? Father, thank you so much for your patience and mercy with us, Lord God. I pray we will be people that are not afraid to tell others about the amazing freedom and forgiveness we have found in Jesus, and I pray this for your glory and your renown, in Christ's name and his name alone, amen.